Greetings um, and welcome to the Imani Speed Show. I'm really happy and honoured to have an amazing guest. His name is Ashley Scott. He's an international singer. And um, yeah, he's going to share his journey with us and um, his new album. Um, Ashley, please, would you like to introduce yourself to the listening audience? Sure. My name is Ashley Scott. I am a international singer and songwriter from Philadelphia in the USA. Um, a proud Philadelphian and also a proud Howard University alumni. Last year, I released a song entitled Don't Throw Our Love Away, which became my international anthem, uh, doing well in both the UK and the United States. So my, I have a current single out now called Together, but I've been singing since the age of three, um, definitely inspired uh, by a lot of soul legends, and I actually have a few of my family. Uh, my my mother grew up on the same block as the Delphonics, so they're like adopted uncles, not you know not blood. But my father's sister is one third of the Three Degrees, and her name is Helen Scott. So between both of those groups, it gave me a wide palette of music to consume, along with what was being played in the house, because my my father was always playing his Chicago Earth, Wind, and Fire, and Stevie Wonder albums. So I wasn't the, the, the normal kid walking around the schoolyard rapping the latest hip hop record. I was humming songs like MacArthur Park or Alfie or popping oh, wow. jazz standards that yeah. the Delphonics or, you know, the Three Degrees were known for doing, um, as well as their hits as well. And of course, we all had our Prince and Michael Jackson and Luther Vandross faces as well. <laughs> but sure. so that's what music was like growing up for me. Wow. So, you know, obviously I have to ask you about your art because I definitely, um, Three Degrees was very, very popular um, when I was growing up and I love their music. And what was that like for you to have your aunt, you know, be doing the, the, you know, the work that she did and producing all these amazing songs? What was that like for you? It was an amazing thing to, to see. Um, a lot of the of, of, of her success was primarily in the UK. So, yeah. She was gone for nine months out the year because their their career was definitely perpetual motion uh, in which when one tour was was, you know, starting, the next one was already booked. So it got so much that, you know, one of the ladies at that time moved over there and they just had apartments or they stayed at, at her place when they had to come over. Um, but. It was an amazing thing. Her, the, the concert that they did at the Royal Albert Hall in 1979 is really what inspired me to do music. Um, I, I do remember watching that, you know, on on video uh, at her house as a child. And so they were back by the Royal Philharmonic and um, oh, yeah. it was a, an amazing concert. It's actually on YouTube if, if anyone wants to go view it. Oh. But that's what actually made me, you know, inspired and what what I was heavily inspired by them for. So, wow, was, you, you know, I think that's awesome. But what I'd ask you now, when did you realize that you had the gift, you had the same talent? I would say at a very young age, I was actually able to kind of sing in tune. I was singing the same thing that the person on the radio was or or whatever the song was. I wasn't mm -hmm. really out of song, out of tune. And, and my father wasn't telling me to be quiet. So... <laughs> Now, I, now, funny thing, there, you know, he did tell me to be quiet on a few songs, and I'll just share that funny story. Um, when Crystal Waters came out with Gypsy Woman, you know, being that that was the, the current song at the time, 
our elders don't always like what's current on the radio. We experience that at our at our age now. Um, however, just walking around the house going la da dee la dee da la da dee la dee da. My dad just called me one time. He said, "Ashley." I said, "Yeah." He said, "Shut up." <laughs> so oh, wow. as catchy as it as catchy and a great song that it was, it didn't quite please his ears. So it was it was funny. I was I was laughing when he did, and sometimes <laughs> I would just do it to, just to get on his nerves and, and mess with him too. Oh wow. Yeah, that, there's always the thing with the the generation, isn't it? Music and yeah. generate the generations. And uh, you know, what, what is it like for you? Because I know you have a family. And um, what are your children listening to? Are they listening to your music? Have they have they got their own things that they like to listen to? And are they showing signs um, of having the talent? They are. Um, I have to say that I do play my own stuff in the car with them. Uh, my oldest is six. And she st- when she started preschool uh, about two or three years ago, I remember playing Dance the Night Away in the car with her. And we used to pick up one of her other friends in the, in the you know, for school as well on the yeah. way to school. And her friend one day said, I want to hear a new song. And my daughter looked at her and she said, no, we're going to listen to Dance the Night Away. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so... I was cracking up in the front seat. Oh. However, um, they they like music. Um, I would say that my oldest is definitely into the Disney films and theatrics. I think she'll be a great actress. Um, and, and she does have the vocal as well. I haven't decided to kind of be Joe Jackson, the stern father. Yes. Of, you know, and, I'm, I'm, and, I, and I don't mean in the discipline terms. Mm. I mean, stern father that, you know, sing the right note, play the right chord yeah. or you're going to be in trouble. I haven't done that. I've tried, tried to let them explore what they like and, and, you know, feel life out. I didn't want to, I mean, we're, we, she is in dance class right now. Uh, I would say my three-year-old, she is definitely showing signs. She has pretty good pitch um, and she can, you know, sing, sing the melodies very well um, that, and she's able to kind of catch up, pick up on, on things very easily. So they are showing signs of it and I will definitely support them. And they have everything they need to do it. I mean, they already have a record label that they will inherit, which is my own, yes. you know, so, and they'll have the resources to, to produce music. I'll definitely see to that. They have a lot of uncles and, and things of that nature that will mm-hmm. definitely look out for them as well as they'll be making their own friends. But I, I would definitely encourage it if that's what they want to do. Now, talk to us about your um, record label and why you why did you start it? Because you're obviously a successful singer songwriter. What was it about having your own label? Well, so I went to Howard University in Washington, D.C. for undergrad where I got my bachelor's in music. And my professor was a jazz pianist and his name was Webster Lewis. He's pretty well known. Um, I would say everybody outside of the of the United States remembers him and his music more than people in the states do uh but one thing that webster um taught us was to be independent and he said a a major record contract is nothing but a credit card what they put out you will pay back and that's something that has stood with me forever um i did you know coming up after college i did kind of battle that a little bit because obviously (laughs) major deals were the more successful artists but being able to have mentors and friends like Frank McComb, Eric Roberson, Will Downing, um, and, and also mm-hmm. Helen Bruner and Terry Jones, they're all independent artists at this point. And so 
they're definitely in my corner and support me in everything that I do. And they've been very supportive of the music thus far. So I, I have mentors that I can kind of call on for this type of advice as well. And, and even the Three Degrees at one point had their own label in the in the 80s for a brief moment. Um, so it's definitely the way to go. I think indie is the new major and there's no yes. need for, for going after a major recording contract and, and being in so much debt and also praying that they don't treat you like a tax write-off. Mm, yeah, because, you know, what I'm hearing you say and what I've heard other musicians, singer-songwriters say is you have to remember it's a business and you you have to be involved in the business side. You can't just trust that to every you yeah. know someone else and then think because this is what's happened to a lot of the singers in you know from before they yes, do they, can, you know love the work that they're doing that. enjoy it and then come at the end of it you know nothing's there for them and what would you say um would you say how easy is it for people to because obviously you're you've got a lot of contacts and family and friends around you what about somebody who's just starting and they haven't really got the connections would you say that it's quite possible? It's, you know, it's not going to be too difficult for them to start their own, you know, be more independent? I think that anything is possible, especially with this particular day and age that we're living in, and especially mm-hmm. with the internet being a tool. Um, I think everything has its pluses and minuses. Um, sure. And so the internet has been good with getting yourself out there a lot quicker than it was before it came. However, mm-hmm. with the with the distribution system and everything becoming more subscription based, it's not financially great for the creative professional. Right. Um, with with the streaming services because they don't pay, they pay their their salary workers more than they pay the creatives that of whose music that they're you know putting on their. Ah, on can the you think that? Yeah. And that's a true statement. Um, but I think that people have to get out and network, and you have to. You do need a team, but if you also have to be the project manager of your team, you just can't be the artist anymore. Mm. Um, you can't think that a manager is going to pick you up and make you famous. It's not like that anymore. You can't entrust things to your managers. You can, can trust things to partners or consultants, but you still have to be in control. You have to be your own producer and you have to be your own project manager. You have to treat songs and albums like a corporate project because it is it's under your company so you are that project manager you have to write the song you have to record it you have to get it mixed mastered copyright registered with performance rights organizations and sound exchange and other um, companies that will pay out the money for your songs being used in tv film or being played on the radio it's a process you have to get your artwork you have to set a release date you have to get a press release you have to get images for social media you have to update your website that's a lot oh my gosh (laughs) yeah you have to do all this stuff and and that's just a portion of it i may have even left out things you if if you don't have the the funds to and a lot of creatives sometimes run into the aspect of not having a budget for promotion we put all the money into the product but don't have enough money for the promotion and it's very, it's very hard to do it yourself. You do need a team. I'm thankful to have Desiree Benson and Myron Ruffin and Steve Ripley, you know, helping yes. in, in various aspects across the globe. So you do need a team and you have to, again, be that project manager and know what's going on. 
on all aspects of your business. You just can't be the artist. It is hard to be an artist and business person, but it can be done. And it is the new way of life. Wow. And, you know, I know you have a, a, a music degree. Do you feel, because um, with all, the, all those elements, did they come under your degree? Or would you say you still had to, with your team around you, that's where all those elements, you know, fit in? Or did you, would you say that people need to really study at that level um, to be able to manage themselves and manage their, bus- their music business? I would say that it helps. Um, I, I would say that it definitely helped me. Um, learning the music aspect and and taking a business background, but also I've worked in the business for a long time as well. I worked probably more so on the business side than anything. So again, that was just another blessing to, I've worked in concert promotion. I put on my own events and shows. So I know contracts. I know how to, you know, work work the media as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So again, you can't do it yourself. That's why you need a team. So if you can't, you know, hire someone, learn it yourself, but time manage your day to to handle off the task if possible, because it's a full time operation. Yes. No, I, I totally understand. I know with what I do, it's kind of the same, you know, similar, you know, where you have to be project managing and the whole thing. So, but I know with the music, it's a, there's so much to do, isn't there? Because you're going off to different places to to sing and perform and what have you, but then you still have to come back and tie up all the, you know, the, the, the business side. So um, it's it's definitely different than it was. It's a different different world for musicians and artists and what have you. And I think, again, people have to know the business and the Google is your friend. So, and so is is YouTube. So it's no reason for, for anyone at this point, not to know the business Mm -hmm. artists from the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s did not have the information that we have available to us. And, and a lot of them actually struggled with the various changes throughout time. And being able to just few were able to do it. Yeah. And for those that did, I applaud them. Um, but again, you have to know the business. And some of them had to learn the hard way. There's so many cases out there of songwriters not getting properly credit or musicians not being paid for sessions or credit on recordings. Um, a lot of artists and groups uh, from that from the past have kind of broken up and you have two versions of the group and they're going all in litigation, you know, who owns the rights to what, and it's just so much, you have to learn the business and make sure that your stuff is straight. So Mm. again, Google and YouTube are your friends. I like that. Yeah. I think so. It's really putting it in the, in the artist's hand. And, you know, once they've mastered that, once they've, mastered all of it they are going to be happy at the end because they'll know every facet of their of what's going on and yeah. um yeah it's yeah it's a new day for artists where they actually can um take ownership right and that and that's what prince was trying to preach for yes, so long. He was. you have yeah. to own you have to own your masters mm. you have to own your masters and a lot of artists now are going back to the major labels and because some of them had 30 year clauses in their contracts or the masters. So I think Anita Baker just 
was in some kind of litigation. And I think she got the ownership of her masters for a while. I think mm-hmm. for a few months while that was going on, she took some of her music off of the streaming platforms. Wow. So, yeah, you've got to you've got to do what you've got to do because um, you know, it's um it's your it's it's like a child, isn't it? It's your baby and it's like yeah. why yeah. should somebody else have control and be earning from your hard work? And you're sort of sitting back and thinking, that's mine, you know. And I think producers need to also think that as well, because you, you the way you mentioned it, your songs are your children. Mm-hmm. Uh, if someone asked, you know, what's your favorite song by yourself? It's kind of hard to answer because you can't choose. Yeah. yeah. Each song holds a certain, you know, place in your heart, just like each child that you have holds a certain exactly. place in your heart. So you can't really play favorites. Um you can you may say you like doing one thing as an artist i'm not going to compare to now where i won't compare songs to children is <laughs> you may have a certain song that you like performing more than than others uh-huh. you know but mm. you can't say that oh you know this child is my favorite over this one that, that oh was, no that would not go well at all. <laughs> but i think that um producers need to start looking at that thinking in that mindset, because one of the, the new practices of the industry, which is becoming a standard thing, is that people are, producers are selling their instrumentals online for artists to purchase, rather than connecting with an artist and collaborating and making the music a residual income, which mm. is what songs are supposed to be. Mm. Um, some, some producers are selling tracks or instrumentals for $500 up front but and there are some people that don't know the business like some people I was I'm one I'm a person in Philadelphia that a lot of people kind of come to for with questions and and resources and things of that nature and there was a suburban there's a I met some young guys they were a hip-hop group and they're from a, a small town in about an hour and a half to two hours away from Philadelphia and they called me one day and said, I met them at an event out in that particular, you know, part of Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And they said, can you, can you manage us? And I said, I can consult, you know, I don't want to necessarily be a manager, but I can consult yeah. and, and, and walk you through the process of what needs to be done. So these guys, they basically released a, a song and they did, they made a video for it. It did good numbers on YouTube, good streaming mm-hmm. numbers. But they said, yeah, we can only use the song for another three months because we, we bought it for six months. Oh. oh. And I, I stepped out of, I laid them out. I'm going to just be honest. I, I was, because that from a business and work perspective, that's a hazmat cleanup. That's not good. handle. Yeah. And I'm saying has met in the worst way and, and not using other foul terms, <laughs> but had, that's a hazmat cleanup. And I was just like, I could do this, but it's going to cost. And they didn't have enough to, to afford the work that needed to get done. Um, and that's just trying to, so they, they, they spent all this money for a quick success. Yes, that's a they can't, they can't capitalize on it. Yeah. And you can't, they didn't know to get an exclusive agreement for that particular song. They only paid for a certain time frame. Mm. 
They didn't, read the, they didn't read the contracts. They didn't know the business. And, and I do know someone that actually, you know, uh, purchases exclusive music for their, for their own, but the producer doesn't have any rights to it after that is done. So if the song does well, they don't get any residual residuals from it. So don't be so quick to sign your creativity and your children away. Um, yeah. Yeah. Don't sell your, don't sell your soul over. Because I mean, that sounds awful, doesn't it? It's like they, it they've got it for a while and then it's gone. They, they, it doesn't belong to them anymore. Right. Oh, wow. And so this, this industry, the, the game hasn't changed, just the people. Mm. But this is still an industry based on relationships. And you have to create relationships and you have to, yeah. um, you have to maintain relationships and you have to court relationships and you have to, you know, manage the relationships in the, in the best way. And again, it's nothing like getting into a studio and collaborating with someone. Mm -hmm. Certain genres have a lot of people in terms of collaboration. They need to know more about publishing, I think. And when you draw that circle and you divide that pie and mm -hmm. looking at that pie as a song, yeah. I think you'll, you won't have, you wouldn't want as many people in the session during your creation. <laughs> So you have some people that you have some people that just wrote a the, a an, and a but, and they want oh, they want their name on there still, yeah. But I wrote that the right there on that line, and that's the, <laughs> that's the best the of the line right there. I wrote that but right there. Now that but <laughs> makes the point of that sentence. You got to give me twenty five percent of that song for my but. Wow. I'm I'm just giving you. I know. I know. Funny rat, you know, stories behind behind it, but. Mm -hmm. Again, people need to know the business. Wow. So what I want to ask you is your genre of music. Can you describe to the people what your genre, we are going to play um, your latest track together a little bit later. But yeah. what's your <laughs> lovely track? I've actually been playing it um, on the show because I normally at this time I'm playing, um, you know, like more sort of mellow um, silky yeah. soul which I, I include your, your you know your but anyway I don't want to say what your music can you describe no I'm gonna use it it's silky soul silky yes, soul but, uh, I can't but say sophisticated because Will Downing is the <laughs> so I'll take silky I'll take thank you for that you, you just coined the term for me <laughs> sweet I normally sweet silky soul so what what um you know talk to us about that because you know it's it's um it's a great genre of music I you know I love it and um what 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 made you choose that genre to focus on and why is you know why is that mellow loving and how is it how important is it in the at this time that's because it's real silky no just okay <laughs> I I do traditional music I was brought up around so much um you know, live music in terms of the legends that I've been around. Yeah. And I just have a, a very traditional sound. I need orchestration. I need mm. to hear a piano. I need to hear a basic guitar, drums yeah. in my music. Program stuff is cool. Um, I would say I'm primarily in the R&B, soul, jazz, and dance genres because I have a few dance remixes out there. Um, Together is my seventh single. 
and so I have five songs out and two dance two of them have dance remixes so that have awesome. that's been the seven um I definitely like dance dance music as well um sometimes mm. when I'm listening to myself I get torn as to like which versions I should do in this show yeah. but I kind of stick to the originals because that's what people kind of gravitated mm-hmm. to the um but I, I love traditional music um, at the end of the day, or going back to what the inspiration was to sing, I want to perform in front of an orchestra one day. Awesome. And so I want everything to kind of be as musical as possible and not um, programmed synthesized stuff and nothing mm-hmm. against that. But I want that stuff to be charted out. I want the string section to have their portion. I want the horn section to have their portion, <laughs> the section to play their portion. So, and even if it's not live, it's still musical notes that can be charted out for them to, for the orchestra to read. So my stuff is definitely live. I mean, everything, every track, except the dance remixes has live instrumentation. Thought of you, dance the night away, words, um, don't throw our love away and together. And I'm actually working on a remix for together as well. So I just gotta, you're the first to hear it, hear this news actually as well. So, um, It'll be more of a lover's, I'll probably call it the lover's remix. So it's definitely a little bit groovy, I'll say. So yes, we it, like the dance. We like that. So my my show, um, and normally at the beginning, it's like party, party, either party classics or, you know, dance type music. And then um, I don't know if you know much about reggae. Um, play, I play a reggae section and then my sweet, silky soul. So that's yeah, it'll of, still yeah. be in the silky soul section it, it was kind of yeah, hard yeah. to make a, a dance remix out of this mm-hmm. one in terms of uh where the technically where the the vocal lies and the tempo it was kind of hard to build a, a dance song out of it so there may be a uh, dub yes. version there may be a dub version coming out i'm i'm talking oh. about that now so, well they'll they'll just take portions of the vocal um but in ter- but i do have a full lover's groove silky remix to that it might have to be awesome. called a silky remix. we'll see awesome what i want to ask you you mentioned um about you know you love the music uh, you know the instruments do you play an instrument at all i do not i just have a good ear in terms of arranging vocal harmonies and and bringing in ensembles to record that and you'll you hear that on all of my recordings um awesome. yeah i definitely learned a lot about harmony from the, the, the groups that I've been around. The Delphonics had tight harmony on their stuff and the Three Degrees to not be a sister group had the tightest harmony in music, so. Wow. You know, it's funny because, um, you know, obviously you're on the younger end of, of things and I, I don't know if you ever watch um, on on YouTube, people, young, younger, much younger people looking at, listening to music like yes. older music and the reaction yeah. and I you do. see some of the songs you know like the, the melodious who maybe the love you know kind of more you know silky soul type and they're crying and they're like you know it's like oh my god what is yeah and um what do, what do you think I think you know there's there's definitely wonderful sounds like you mentioned with the synthesized synthetic type music but what is it about, you know, the in the orchestra, the instrumentals, and all the harmonies, and you know, back, that that sound that you like that you put on your music? What is it about that that really grabs people and 
get them so emotive like that? I think you actually just said a portion of the answer where it's it was a lot of emotion put into it. People really knew how to identify what the songs that they were singing and getting the the message conveyed and really selling the song. Mm-hmm. Um, I think every point, it wasn't just Michael and Quincy that made Thriller and Off the Wall the success that it was. It was everyone that played a note and and sang a note and and tweaked the the the, the knobs on the on the studio board. Yeah, yeah. I think that it's about community. So back then, mm. it was a it was a heavy community. I mean, yes. Motown had a community. Oh, yeah. Philadelphia yeah. International had a community with MFSB as the or as playing on all the records um stacks had a community earth wind and fire was an amazing band um you know most groups were it was about community so i think everyone kind of knew their lane and really Mm. played their put their energy and their color into making the music the artwork that we know it to be today i think music back then was more timeless and it's still being played today. That's why I aim to make timeless music. I want this yes. music to be played 50 years from now. Yeah. I'm guilty at, at night. And that's actually why I wrote together because I'm guilty at night. Sometimes it's nothing on TV. <laughs> but Time Life has these infomercials where they're still marketing Soul Train episodes or episodes yes. of the night special or yeah. just these CD compilations, because they're still releasing CDs. Some people still play CDs, believe it or not. I still do. Um, But you have these best of the 70s, best of soft (laughs) rock, best of the 80s, best duets, best of the 90s. And I'm sitting there just, I have most of that stuff in my own collection. Yeah. And I'm looking to see if 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 people have new clips of performances, you know, that, that you may see five seconds of. But I'm singing along and I'm saying to myself, when they in 2050, I want my stuff to be in the 2020 decade collection. And I'm so pretty sure that, that's amazing. Yeah. You know, that's that was great. that was the inspiration. And so with together, it's a wedding song. So I wrote it mm-hmm. in the vein of something that people could have a first dance to or walk down the aisle to. And, you know, in the vein of some of the most known RB wedding songs of the past. 20 to 50 years are songs like For You by Kenny Lattimore or When I'm With You by Tony Terry or Stevie Wonder, You and I, or even the O'Brien version. And and some people actually like did uh, Jagged Edge and Let's Get Married. Frank McComb, the wedding song. And I'm just going across the board. You know, I I wanted something to be in that vein because it's timeless music. I think I asked you this when we did the um, when we did the the, the Zoom interview um, recently. Yeah. What? Um, how important is it? Because um, a lot of people were saying, "Oh, you know, um, slow jams and you know R and B, and it's it's that's it. It's it's not people are not people want sort of more harder music. And how important is it for people to have these softer music of you know and you know for families and marriage and I always feel that um when you have access to those sort of sounds it's you know it keeps the love alive you know you've got that music and you know because I feel music is is very powerful in that it can send a message it can it can be a teaching point and it can remind you know lovers why they fell in love do you feel that it 
you know, we can actually do without the softer side of music? Or do you feel it will be here forever? I think it'll be here forever. And it, it, I, and even as it pertains to soul music and, and R&B, some people mm-hmm. on, on our side of the pond, they always say, well, R&B is dead or what mm-hmm. happened to it? I don't think it's it and, and I don't think it went anywhere. I think it just isn't as commercially successful as it used to be. I don't, I don't think it's the popular music that it was. I mean, R&B was Motown and Philadelphia International and Stax. But that was pop music, too, because it was the popular thing at that time. Yes. Same with Michael, same with Prince, same with Luther, et cetera, et cetera. Um, same with the, the Babyface stuff with Bobby Brown and, and New Edition and um, uh, even the 90s run that Jam and Lewis and Babyface and Janet Yes. All of that stuff was, was R&B, but mm-hmm. it was pop. I mm. think hip hop became the more popular music now. Mm, yes. Yeah. Even more and and also just pop stuff in general hit you know certain demographics so r&b is still alive you can and i think slow songs will always be needed you can mm. be fast all you want you can <laughs> you can be on the dance floor for two hours <laughs> but you're gonna need a breath at some point and you're gonna need a and you're gonna see someone in the club that you have your eyes on and you're gonna want to say something nice to them and that slow song is going to be that song to do that and be your introduction. So now they don't really do that so much. They don't play a lot of slow songs in the club. And, you know, that's what I want to ask, you know, because I because I'm older and I don't know. I know in my time, you know, people, there was that thing just before the the, the, the party ended or the, the club was closing. It was always that last, you know, that special song, the last dance. What are they doing now? Is there, you know, is there some, because I don't even see people dancing the way we did in my time, you know, like you get a couple, you know, they they do, you know, kind of come together and dance together, whereas I don't see that happening anymore. I think, okay, so it's a few things. <laughs> no, it's a few things to kind of add to that. I think the the more couple dancing was more so at the house parties or the the even, even at the, the even at the clubs as well. You would have they that. don't do that here at all. Uh, Not, now there was one DJ that would play a slow jam set, and <laughs> he was one of my favorite DJs. And you it was rapper Biz Markey. Biz was one of the best DJs out there. Some people don't know that he he could DJ a party. He would DJ parties when I was in college. Um, and even when I would go back to, to Washington, D.C. for Howard's homecoming, mm-hmm. he would just be one of the special DJs at the club. And he is one of the only ones that would play a slow jam set. I'm saying a 20 to 30 minute slow jam set. Mm-hmm. And people would be on the floor dancing. Wow. He's one of the rare ones. Other than that, people are just playing the party stuff. They'll play the, the contemporary, the old school, the dance stuff. And then when the club is ready to, to do the let out, They'll play the most off the wall song to get people out. Wow! Of the club. wow. I so remember, be, oh my gosh. and I'm not trying to call this particular song cheesy by any means because there mm-hmm. was, because I'm musical. I love all all music. Yeah, me too. But yeah. I remember being in a club one night, and clubs here in Philadelphia end at two o'clock, and. The song that they chose to play the last song and turn the lights on because it's pitch black in the club. 
They played Reby Jackson Centipede. Oh, can you can you give us a few bars? Remember Centipede? Oh no. Oh yeah. Oh yes, um Reby Jackson. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yes, Reby Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, what yeah. they played to get people out the club. No. And, and people oh, were started, they were like, oh, that's it. And people started walking out. But I was the the only one in there with a smile <laughs> and loving that song. And because and one thing I liked about that song was Michael Jackson did a lot of the background vocals. So the harmonies on that, I was just in I was in my own zone. People were looking at me like I was crazy, like really like <laughs> I'm like, yeah, this is the shot right here. So oh. so that's kind of what DJs do now, but they don't, but again, you know, you can you can dance all you want, but at some point you gotta slow it down. And even with my first single was a ballad, and that was a hard one to honestly kind of sell to the public it got some good reviews on a few mm-hmm. sites but because it was about it certain markets di- didn't really take to it um i i thank uh expansion records because it was picked up on their luxury soul 2017 cd so it gave it some more life but it was one out of 35 songs on that project but you know i was like okay I have to do some mid-tempo stuff. So I gave you Dance the Night Away. I did Don't Throw Our Love Away. Had the dance remixes in between. Mm-hmm. Did Thought of You. And together was something that was just in my system that I couldn't get out. I said, okay, oh. got to slow it down. Got to slow it down. Oh, wow. So it, it's always as though, you know, kind of the more romantic music is becoming more bespoke because, like you said, you know, people... Make, they're probably not getting married and settling down as much or they are doing it at later age than compared in my type but people are still you know wanting people are still obviously getting together getting married starting oh, families yeah. and you know there is definitely like you said people you do need something that is going to be the background to your you know to your life because I always feel when you hear certain songs it gives you it takes you right back doesn't it to something or yes. someone or yeah so that is still needed but like you say it's kind of changing people are not going to the clubs for that kind of music they're going to to sweat to dance to enjoy right. yeah. yes and so people will you know will kind of find their own sounds that they like that are romantic for them and their person i, I would definitely agree with that uh one thing with most indie artists, um, I would say a good percentage of them on nights that they are not performing their own music, we still have to do what we have to do with our mm-hmm. art and, and make a living. So some people are in the, and I'm going to be, I'm going to give you the proper term and then I'll give you the joking terms. <laughs> some people work in the private affair industry. Okay. So that's the that's the professional way of saying it. But some people are <laughs> wedding singers, if you want to be like the movie and, and crack up. <laughs> so I, that's what I've done for a lot of years. And, you know, you have to sing these first dances for the couples. And right. again, so that's yeah. more so, bespoke. Yes. Right. And so you're singing Alicia Keys, If I Ain't Got You or mm. Stevie Wonder song. The ones I mentioned before or even, you know, more jazz songs like. Frank Sinatra had to be you. There's so many songs that people are using for first dances, but Mm. witnessing that again, seeing that for a long time, I'm like, I need my own timeless classic. I need 
I want to, and it's not a lot of them out here at the present time. So that's why I released this particular song on Valentine's weekend of this particular year, because it's, it's the time of where the bridal season's kicking off. People are going to bridal expos and planning their stuff a year out or, you know, going to the justice of the peace on Valentine's day to get going or to Vegas. So again, I just wanted to create something that would, that would last forever. That's beautiful. And um, I um, want you to now talk to us about together before I play. So how did you, you know, what's your, what's your method? What's your methodology of getting songs? Do you, does something come, do you download from somewhere or, you know, how do you, how do you, how do you create a song? How is a song born? For me, I hear the vocals first. I would say, I hear the the harmonies, the the, the chorus. I try to write a strong chorus, um, mm-hmm. something that people can sing along to, and that's been pretty successful to me because a lot of people are now just walking down the street singing "Don't Throw Our Love Away" or "Dance the Night Away" or "Thought of You," uh-huh. um, and now together. Um, so I try to write, you know, something very catchy, um, mm-hmm. as well as making the 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 vocal simple, you know, for for people to kind of catch on, um, and that's again that's a that's a great tool to, to, to have, because even if you think traditionally, it's the average person, even if you don't have a, the musical, a gift of music, the average person can walk down the street and sing Lala means I love you or a when will I yes, see you yes, or yes. a me and Mrs. Jones or a love mm-hmm. train or a thriller or a purple rain. Mm-hmm. So when you, when you operate in that mindset, but for this particular song, I wanted something very classic. I wanted something very fully orchestrated. So I do have live strings on this record, which was the second time I did that. But this was like a more string section. Uh, on Dance the Night Away, I had a violin player. And so he laid his oh, part a few times yeah. in that particular song, because you do hear strings on that one. But um, I had a full string section and horn section on this record. Um, it was produced by my best friend, who is a multi-instrumentalist. His name is Stan Davis Jr. And Stan mm-hmm. plays keys, guitar, and bass flu- fluently. So he can join any band and play any instrument. Oh, wow. Right away. Um, he's a master musician. He's played, He does a lot of live stuff. Um, he's played guitar on all of my recordings, but he's also done a lot of live gigs with Kendra the Family Soul. Um, he's played with Vivian oh, Green. He's played with... He's actually, he did a three degrees gig once here in the States a few years ago. So he, he can play with the legends as well as the, the current artists. Uh, but Stan and I came up with the track and it was a, an amazing, we got the rhythm section first. And then there was a, uh, an arranger that has been on my bucket list of people to work with for a long time. And his name is Dennis Doc Williams. So while Stan could have arranged the strings and horns, I said, hold up one second i got somebody i, I kind of want to bring in you know yes. for that particular portion um and it's it's just been a dream to work with this person and his name is dennis doc williams uh doc is the longtime pianist and keyboard and musical director for the ojs he's been playing <gasps> oh. with the ojs since 1972 and he actually started with the three degrees but he he started okay. with the ojs in 1972 and has been playing for them ever since so when you see them live mm-hmm. you see him conducting the full orchestra because they still play with the horn section when they go to different cities they have a, a their their core rhythm section but they pick up a horn section in all the cities that they play so he's conducting them and and he's also a producer in his own right 
um, Doc has, he wrote a song for Gene Karn along with Eddie Levert uh, back when Gene was on Philadelphia International called My Love Don't Come Easy. Yes, we know that. Yeah. Uh, he's also did a lot of sessions for Gerald Levert when Gerald was recording strings and stuff for his solo album. So Doc has been in the industry for a long time and he's just been someone I wanted to work with. So I kind of gave, I painted the picture for him and he added the colors that he added the right colors and he knew what he was doing. Um, so the strings wow. and sound amazing. And while he orchestrated, he wrote the parts out. I had a, a string section here in Philadelphia and uh, by my friend, Jack Truman, who's a violinist and my friend, Chris Stevens, he's a trumpet player. He also plays with Eric Roberson and John Legend. So he got Corey Riker and uh, Ernest Stewart, I think. I'm, I got to read my credits. I hope I didn't mess up his name. Trombone. <laughs> and that's the section that you hear, you know, on the horn section. Um, I've used pretty much the same musicians in terms of drummer. I have Brandon Mullen on this record. He played on all my records and he also played with Common and Jasmine Sullivan and Roberta Flack. Stacy mm -hmm. McGee on bass on this particular album. Stacy was the produced no question and he also was a is the musical director for Jaheen and I also have my friend Adam Falk on on piano grand piano and Adam is a producer but he's also played with the late Billy Paul up until his death wow so it's an all-star wow. some great vocalists on there they're four brothers uh they called before the world some good friends of mine so it's it, it was a whole community you know in in creating the song and Philadelphia, I, and I also wanted this to be to sound very classic Philadelphia, which it which it does. And everybody added their colors and made a beautiful painting with this particular song. This is probably one of my favorite songs, and I can't wait to perform it a lot more. Nice. I, I do have a couple oh, wow. tour dates coming up in uh, Buffalo, Buffalo, New York, as well as Columbia, South Carolina, in the next few months. So, looking forward to performing this, and I also want to bring the show to the UK. So. Oh, wow. Yes. Um, oh, wow. I definitely want to perform. I think that'd be wonderful. Definitely look forward. Definitely will be coming to see you. So, actually, what I'd like you to do now is announce the song. I'm go we're going to play it and then we're going to come back and um, just wrap up um, and ask you a few more questions. But I think it's time to play this beautiful song. So, if you announce, I will play. Okay. Hi, this is Ashley Scott from Philadelphia, and you're listening to my good friend Imani Speaks, and this is a <laughs> brand new single, Together. Baby. 
love really grew just like I did as we saw each other every day Ooh. at the same time. You made my heart sing. Then I got a ring. I got down on my knees and asked me, please, will you marry me? That's how it will be, baby. Together forever, baby. beautiful Ashley and um, if you've just tuned in I'm speaking to my special guest Ashley Scott and that was one of his um, singles together wow Ashley how do you feel knowing that what you do when you put pen to paper when you open your mouth and these beautiful melodies and words come out you make people feel good how does that feel to know that you're making people feel good and you know couples you know their love come alive again when they hear the music like this well it, it overall it's definitely a good feeling um but to expand on that it's it's coming up in the industry again and being around the people that i've been around you constantly hear those stories about their lives so you hear the the people coming up to a Delphonic saying, break your promise, help me out in my relationship, or I'm sorry, got me back with my girlfriend, or a, a three degree of when will I see you again, brought me back to my first love, or, you know, it was my, it was a song we danced to back in the day. Yeah. So to hear, to finally start having those stories of, of your own, mm -hmm. it's, it's a beautiful thing, because when you're a creator, you never know who you're going to touch and how you're going to touch someone. And last year, I got a story like that where a DJ in the UK at another station reached out to me. He said, hey, Ashley, good to connect with you on Facebook. He said, hey, man, I love your song. Don't throw our love away. And he said, about, he said, last night I DJed a wedding and you won't believe this. He said, but someone came up to me and asked me to play your song words. And I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, and he said, luckily I had it. 
And he said, I did play it. And then about maybe 10 couples came out and danced to the song. Mm. And he said, a few of them were actually singing the words to it too. Mm. And, I, and when he said that, that just gave me all sorts of emotions of just gratefulness, thankfulness, but, you know, it, it you know, make you, it'll make you, you know, choke a little bit, maybe not shed a tear, but you know, that gulp before the tears come out. Oh, yeah. So um, it was, it was just a great moment to, to learn that because again, you never know. And again, for me, words isn't a song that I get a lot of um, commentary or, or inquiries on. So, you know, it's not a rare song. It was my very first song, but again, people talk about the ones that are probably more known. So, you know, people always are asking about dance the night away and especially don't throw our love away. So for me, at least, but again, to get a, a story like that, it was like, okay, that was my first story that, you know, or instance that I've been hearing, you know, through other parties about their lives. Now I have one for my, for myself. So it was a beautiful moment. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I'm, I've just scribbled down some of those um, songs that you just mentioned with the, the UK DJ. Um, what I want to ask you is um, how can people find your beautiful songs? And, you know, what, I know you've got a, a website with, you know, that is very intuitive with lots going on. How can people find your music? How can people find you and reach out to you? Well, I am on all social media platforms and I'm also, my music is on all these streaming platforms. However, the home for everything is ashleyscottmusic.com. Yeah. Uh, you can go there, you can click on the music store and it'll take you to a Bandcamp link and you can download all of the music right there. That's actually where I prefer everyone get the music. Oh, really? Okay. I got um, mine from, um, yeah, Amazon, I thought, yeah. Okay, find the camp. Yeah, it's on Bandcamp, but you can get it from my website, Ashley Scott Music. I also have a merch store on there, so I have some T-shirts and things available as well. I also have a, a radio show that's syndicated on maybe 10 or t about 12 to 14 stations globally. So I produce okay. a radio show called Soulful Sounds Radio. You can go to my website and listen to all the shows right there as well. Um, I'm on Facebook at it's facebook.com slash I am Ashley Scott. On Twitter and Instagram, my handle is Ashley Scott Three. On TikTok, it's Ashley Scott Music. If you type in Ashley Scott Music on YouTube, you'll see all the videos. But again, the home of everything is AshleyScottMusic.com, and all of those links are right there. Fantastic. So, Mr. Ashley Scott, I always call you Mr. Scott. Mr. Scott. Yeah. I'm you're living. You're lit. I know you're you're a young man, but I just feel okay. it's, it's got a nice ring to it. Um, <laughs> you're living your dream so you know I my show is really all about you know empowerment inspiration and what have you what would you say to anyone who's out there it might be someone young who has heard you tonight and heard your music and they may want to do the same thing but they may have a dream but it's like you know maybe where do I start obviously we've had this difficult this weird time I've been on the planet for a while. I've never gone through anything like what we've gone through over the last couple of years. And, um, you know, in fact, actually, before I ask you that, how has that impacted you? Has it impacted you negatively or have you found that you've just been able to keep flowing with what you're doing? It, it definitely was a huge impact during the shutdowns because we couldn't go anywhere or do anything. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that kind of hurt, especially for artists, 
you're you're used to doing live events and Mm -hmm. we couldn't go anywhere we couldn't perform whether it was public or private so it definitely hurt in that way um and you had to find other things or or new ways to generate a living because the bills don't stop so don't tell me um, about it i just i wish you know i think one day they're gonna say oh you don't need to worry but i don't it's not happened yet (laughs) with the way the world is right now it's exactly worse by the minute exactly second um so it, it was but i was able to kind of create these songs socially distanced um and i'm thankful because i i was able to kind of focus on putting out the music and uh it did well so now i'm just trying to now that the world is opening back up, I'm trying to get out and perform it in the places that it's loved. So whether it's the mm. UK or other parts of Europe or other parts of the, the US, I'm definitely trying to take the show on the road. Awesome, awesome. So as I was um, starting to ask you, you're living your dream. You know, this is something you've been doing since you were three and here you are and creating music and, and just loving and what you do. What would you say to somebody who is kind of a little bit stuck they've got a dream they've got talent in something but they just can't seem to pick themselves up and you know what would you say to them to get them out of that rut or just to get them refocused I would say to follow their heart I would also say that Mm. to um if you believe in it go ahead and do it um don't let people discourage you I mean, if I'm being transparent, there was a time, a good period where I was discouraged from, from doing this um, mm. because I was flustered more so onto the business side. I've always wanted to be a performer, but yeah, um, you know, hindsight, looking back, I'm thankful for the, for the, for the business ventures that I've been a part of and for the people that I work with on that side, because that has helped me to apply it to my own situation. Um, I think in anything you want to do, there are four steps that you have to follow to achieve that goal. You have to educate yourself on what it is you want to do. You have to develop what it is you want to do. Then you have to work on the marketing aspect of what you want to do. And then you have to promote it. Some people may ask, isn't marketing promotion? (laughs) It's not. So can you break? Yeah. Can you quickly, but I know your time, uh, I, I know your time is limited, but Break that down. That's a really good point. So, okay. You want to be a chef. Let's Mm -hmm. let's take, you want to make, you want to bake a cake. You need to educate yourself on the ingredients that you need. Then you have to develop the ingredients and put it in, put the cake together to go into the oven. Then you have to figure out the plan of how long you want it to cook. And then you can start eating on the promotion. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, um, yeah, but, I was, I was like the, you know, like what you said there, you know, people sometimes feel that marketing and promotion is very similar, but as you've just, you know, kind of pointed out, yeah, it's mar- separate entities towards what you're doing. Yeah. Marketing is the planning. The promotion is the action. Mm. So, so let's take the look. We can go back to the music. I love that. Yes. Go back to the music. You have to educate yourself. So you have to figure out the sound you want. Okay. So I figured out the sound that I wanted for together. Then you have to develop it. Okay. That's the recording. And then you have to market. Okay. I'm a, I finished this in December. 
end of November. So, okay, eight weeks, eight to 12 weeks away. It's a love song, Valentine's Day weekend. Okay. Then you have to promote it. I'm talking to Imani Speaks right now. So I'm promoting <laughs> Yes. So it's, and, and that's the thing I think sometimes people struggle. Do you find that people struggle on the promotion and marketing? You know, they can get the product maybe or the idea to develop it, but then it's weak on the, the, the marketing side of things. And, and I know you talked earlier on about networking. It's really important to connect with people, isn't it? It is. It is. And thank God for social media in that aspect, um, because now you're able to have access to people mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. and have that wing in a prayer that you'll be able to <laughs> So, you know, um, I would say you, you still have to network, but if you follow that process, no matter what it is you want to do, if you want to be a videographer, a manager, a graphic designer, a publicist, a radio presenter, uh, a mechanic, a lawyer, a doctor, if you follow that process and, and follow your heart, and if it's what you love to do, go ahead and do it. I think you have to follow your dreams. We're living in a time now where people are trying to make their passion, their the front runner stream of income for them. Um, we're not in a time where, you know, here in the States, at least, and, and probably, and you can probably vouch for the UK, where our parents went to school, got a degree or a trade, and they worked at a job for 40 years until they retired. Oh, yes. yes. And they're getting that <coughs> security or whatever it is that after income from all of the years that you put in. And you're not living yeah. in that time anymore. We're just not. Um, oh. And I definitely credit um, one person I, I forgot to mention was uh, he's a jazz artist, Marcus Johnson. Uh, Marcus is somebody that's living that right now. And I, we're just not in that time of, and there, is, there isn't really in, any security in anything. You have to kind of be secure in yourself to, to survive. And it's hard, it's hard, but we're just not living in that time where you know, job security is the main thing. You're not going to yeah. be at this job for the 30 years like your parents was. My mother was a teacher for 40 years in the Philadelphia school system. Wow. wow. My dad, uh, he had a few trades, but he he um, he was always a handy guy, but he worked in retail for a minute until that store went out of business. Um, and then he finally found his groove, you know, being a carpenter in the school system. And he got hurt on the job. So he had to kind of retire early. Oh. However, we're just not in that time anymore. So you have no. to you have to be versatile in, in everything and be able to pick up the ball and, and play the different aspects of the game. And and so that's why you have to kind of be that's why I said you have to kind of not be a jack of all trades, but you have mm. to you have to know various things and you just can't yes. rely on one, yeah. one thing do anymore yeah I, I totally hear you I, I feel like you said you know back in the day it was one could just rely on the job and you know at the end of the 40 years you go off into the sunset whereas now you have to be you know what, would you, what do we talk about multiple streams of income and investments yeah, and revenue you, you've got to really focus on so many things and like you said earlier on you know you're, when you go when you go it alone, you have to be project managing everything and do the creative side of it as well. 
Right. So it's a, but, a typical yeah. day for me. A typical a typical day for me. I work with a few artists on their teams. Mm-hmm. So a typical a typical day for me is doing tasks for Will Downing, Najee, myself, oh, and, wow. and trying to secure a few others as well. Mm-hmm. Trying to plan a tour for myself. Trying to prepare for a private affairs gig. Um, pushing my own music, setting up interviews for them or myself or et cetera. So you have to be multifaceted in the world right now. You just yes. can't you yes. be multifaceted and be able to multitask. Mm. And, you know, say with you, with you saying that and having this conversation with you and definitely one of the things I find is very important because if you have to do all these things, it's really important to be sharp up here in the brain and then to be, you know, as fit as you possibly can be because you, 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 there's no place for you to be, you know, oh, you know, I'm tired or especially as one gets, gets older now, you can't just say, well, oh, I'm just going to relax and, and eat cookies and, you know, because you, you've got to still keep moving. And what, what's your thoughts on, you know, sort of um, we hear a lot now about self-care, well-being and all the rest of it. What's your thoughts and what what's what do you do to keep you yourself to, energized? Excuse the background noise. Oh, um, don't worry. <laughs> I've got grandkids, I know. <laughs> okay, okay. They're 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 being whisked away. Um, yeah, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> so I think um you have to take the that time for self-care. Mm-hmm. You have to. Um it's it's very important. Otherwise, you will burn the candle at, at both ends. Yeah, um, you don't want to do that we're in a time where mental health is the most talked about thing on this and in the news. And of course, especially after what we just experienced this past Sunday, it's definitely being talked about. Um, Oh, you know what? Can I just ask you, what is your thoughts? What are your thoughts? If you you feel comfortable talking about it. I'll just say that, um, I'll, I'll just kind of go back to that statement of mental health is the most talked about thing in the world. Um, yes. People are not built like they used to be anymore. And you never know what someone else is going through. And I think people have to be mindful of that. I don't think that we can put things past people anymore. I don't think that we can put, I don't think that we can feel like everybody is okay. I think we need to be checking on our friends and our loved ones mm-hmm. as much as possible because you never know what someone, the cross that someone is bearing at the moment. As it pertains to what happened, I think everybody else in the news and on social media has made their points. And every I think everyone has valid points, no matter which side they're taking. Um, a man defended his wife and they and he had enough. Um, whether that was the best place or best thing to do, he, he acted when, what he did, what he did, we can't control what people do. So I don't really have a a huge, um, opinion or side that I will take on it. Um, I, I'll just go as far as to say that I don't think that, um, because I think it's been in the news every day and it it will be for the next few days until it it tapers off something else. Yeah. I think they're they're coming up with different things to to 
to finish talking about it. He did give his apology. Um, I think it should be, you know, taken. However, was that the best time to do it? Probably not. But, um, you know, again, he acted as he did, so we can't control people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think that his Oscar should be taken away. It was something that was voted by the by the by the members of the Academy. And I think he earned it. Um, I don't think that incident should be taken away from him. I, I don't think it had anything to do with his work. Um, if if they want to do anything, then treat it like a sports organization like the NBA or the NFL or the NHL or the National Baseball League and just give him a fine. Double his dues or something. Yeah. yeah. I don't think that he's, his Oscar should be taken away. Not at all. It, I just it just saddens me because I just feel you know two very prominent you know people who's worked really hard for you know a number of years and and it's it's come to this but I think like what you're saying definitely you know things things do happen and people do break you know have a breaking point and I think when you look at someone like that who's really never put a foot wrong you know that this is a one-off situation and he has said he's going to do some work he is going to work on his mental well-being and and you mentioned something there where you said you feel people are not like they were before do you think it do you think there's more pressure on us today because I mean you know like with what you were saying where we're so much more um, responsibility responsible for our whole lives whereas back in the day you know you get your job and you just go to work and you didn't that there wasn't much else to do whereas people are constantly learning things are constantly changing and you know you have to be on every every level and the food that we're getting now you know it's not the same as back in the day where everything was totally organic and blah blah everything is you know we're up against so much so yeah what do you think that's part of why you know our mental health these days we have because Back in the day, people didn't even talk about it. But then I don't know if it's because we didn't have the language, we didn't have the the, the know-how, you know, the knowledge about that, or whether things have really changed. It's much easier to be under pressure and to be totally stressed. I think it's always been there, but I think back then it, it wasn't talked about as much. And people mm-hmm. went to extracurricular negative activities to cope with what they were dealing with, whether it's drugs or alcohol or... Mm-hmm whatever they used as an addiction. Um, but addictions have always been there and have always been the escape to, to get away from, from our problems. Um, and I'll say it could be coffee. It could be anything. Um, and social media as well. That's Social media right now is, is an addiction, but it's also a profession for some as well. Yeah, um, yeah. But it, it doesn't help, you know, in some instances. Um, again, we're just in a time now where you can't um, put things past people. Like I don't put things past anybody. I mean, somebody said, Oh, I just walked up and smacked somebody on TV. I believe it. Well, I, I believe it. Yeah. But you, yeah, but a few years ago or what have you definitely no, And definitely when I was coming up, no, no way. No, it, 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 it wouldn't have happened 20 years ago. No. But um, I think that we also deal with a lot of culture um, situations. Mm-hmm. I think, and, and how can I word this? 
<laughs> we're we're fixed to believe that one way is the right way and it's mm. not like the, the the right way um yeah. or to be a certain way mm-hmm. in a certain mm-hmm. setting to be proper that kind of thing i think that pressure adds to to things as well yeah uh, and so that stuff is now being exposed a lot more so i think that also plays a part into the mental health as well mm-hmm. i guess that's wow. the more way to put it without going so deep yeah no <laughs> No, I think, you know, it's such an important uh, topic and it came to me when you, you know, as we were talking and you were saying all the different things um, and, and I love your four part, you know, educate, develop, marketing, promotion. And um, when you said, you know, that things and, you know, people are not built the way they were previously and I thought, you know, this is an no. important thing no. to look at. And I, and I, yeah, so there's so much more coming at us I, I feel and uh, yeah can, I know again I don't want to keep here because I know your time and um, the show yeah but good, um, good conversation. what's your thoughts about you know younger people say teenagers and um, you know what's the message for our young teenagers and the, the little ones that are coming through um, what would you say what do you because I know you're a you're a young yeah. father of young children and what what do you feel is um do you feel parenting today um needs to be different than than it was it has to be different or do you think the old traditional way is the right you know what's your thoughts i think it depends on the moment and and the 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 child um Mm -hmm. again mental health and and medical situations are being brought to the forefront now um and we can take a look at historically when you and I were coming up, people weren't so easily diagnosed with ADHD or or, no, or, never heard of, yeah. or things of that nature. Now, every kid is diagnosed with something. Um, mm-hmm. There are so many agencies out now to help children through, these, to, through this process. And a lot of them didn't have the resources that, you know, now that we had, well, no, we didn't have the resources that back then that they had now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I think certain traditional parenting um, doesn't work, but it, it needs to be implemented. Um, our children nowadays are um, a lot more verbal. They're a lot more um, expressive. They're a yeah. lot more um, bold than some of us were. We yes, very much. <laughs> we couldn't talk to our parents a certain way. I would not be here to talk to you if I yeah if I even tried it it would not be here (laughs) right Um, we couldn't say no (laughs) go take out the trash what no can you imagine we'll get the switch off the tree and and (laughs) (laughs) and that's and that's dating our our grandparents time not necessarily (laughs) yeah Um, but the so I don't, I think that there, um, there, the youth don't have the respect for adults that we had for our parents. And that's, that's because, why, yeah, it's so unfair because, because I, the, yeah, I feel it's so the powers unfair. that be, the powers that be, and I'm saying police or <laughs> government or the powers that be mm-hmm. tend to take the children's voice over the parents. And the parents yeah. pay the price for whatever things, you know, happen. Um, 
case in point, you know, if a kid's in school now says, my parent hit me, it's mm. going to be an investigation going on. Oh my gosh, yes. Your yeah. social services could take your children away just because mm. you were trying to discipline your child. Um, teachers are noticing, you know, may notice marks on a child that, you know, and, and, and report things. Yeah, that's so, not good. Yeah. Um, and, and also, I'm trying to word this in the, in the, in a, um, in a, in a, in a, yeah. <laughs> in a universal way without um, <laughs> yeah. the, 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 wow, you got me stumped a little bit. You know, you know, as you were saying that, what was also coming up for me is, um, yeah, th that is very, very true. But then there's the added issue, the problem of, I, I was watching something and they were talking about, oh, I can't remember the word that was used. Um, over adulterating, uh, turning young, you know, black children into adults, treating them like adults. That's it. Because we we had a an incident over here where a young girl was in school, and the school called the police because they felt that she had something on her, and she was strip searched in this. You know, so there's the there's this. What's very confusing is like you say, you know, you're not allowed to really. Um, reprimand your child, but people outside can treat children really badly and get away with it. Right. Yeah. I, I think that that's a, a definite issue as well. Um, I think one of the other things that are, um, <laughs> I'm going to try to leave that subject alone. <laughs> Times are you just definitely what? different. Yeah. Times are definitely different. And we are, it's only getting worse. Um, if I had to bring a biblical situation in into it, we're definitely in revelations in terms of the Bible. And if you read that book, I know when I read that book in college, it was scary. It was a scary story. Mm -hmm. And I was after reading it, I just closed it for a minute and maybe a good week. Frozen <laughs> solid. But we're we're in that time where it's wars and sickness and things of that nature. And I think that um, we just need to be spiritually right with whoever, whatever your spirituality or religious or religion is. Um, I think that um, kids are going through a lot more now because. Definitely. Uh, I'm trying to, what's the best way to say it? I think identity crisis is a yeah. mental health and i think identity crisis is a universal way of putting it without going too deep yeah. and okay. i'm not saying that anything is wrong with identity crisis but i think that people are having it um, a lot more than people had it before Absolutely. And people are now able to make choices on how and who they want to be and um wow. i think that that's something that is is um that I think that's something that our children are dealing with a lot as well. I think identity crisis is their strongest mental health issue. If that is that a good way of saying it? Because I'm not trying to. I think I think so. I definitely I'm not trying to offend anybody. But I'm yeah, just, I'm just yeah. Uh, you know, a, I hear you. It's such point. a sensitive. It's such a sensitive topic, right. and it's so. I think when you're on a different a different age, it's really difficult to kind of you know understand and 
but then you see you know we're, we're hearing a lot and you know you see it on 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 the, on tv and different things and yes i i do hear that and it's and it's hard it's it's like how are how are people to kind of be sensitive to that and not take their own judgments and what was you know what life meant and what it meant to be you know this gender or that gender it's such a different time and yeah very and yeah another scary situation and now we're in a I mean, we've kind of said it, you know, adults have kind of said it in, cer in certain conversations where the children today, literally, the tradition that was always fed to us in terms of life is no more. Yeah, and, we're, we're, so, we're totally in a different world now. The world right. has and, and people changed. Now have to, for, for union and, and medical reasons, People, the question, the, 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 the deep question that people now have to ask is what are you or what were you when you first came into the world? Yeah. Can you imagine, in, you and, know, for people dating that? Yeah. yeah. That's, wow. And, you know, so, and, it's, and I'll, I'll add some comedy to this now, cause I don't want to get too, too deep. <laughs> I know you some, you know, when this, when the subject like starts was, and then you go into, and you think, Oh my God, how do I work? How do I work my way back? You know? Yeah. So here's, here's some comedy. I don't think anyone knew what their parents went through when they were growing up. Some, Ooh. a lot of people were shielded from the struggles of parenting. So yeah. now I'm a parent. <laughs> I have a six-year-old daughter and oh. Lat, she's in kindergarten. Oh. And here's a funny story, true story. <laughs> I had what I would jokingly call a Fred Sanford heart attack mixed oh. with every fictitious African American father, every oh. emotion that had children. So I'm saying James Evans from Good Times, the, the anger, <laughs> oh, no. the, the wit of um, Heath. Dr. Huxable from the Cosby Show. Oh yeah, and whatever Uncle Phil was feeling from Fresh Prince. <laughs> yes. And so it was Valentine's Day, and in my daughter's class, mm. the teacher said, "Okay, we're we're going to do something for Valentine's Day. Oh. You all can bring in cards and candy for your friends." She said, oh. it's "16 kids in the class. I'm not giving everybody's name, so just sign on the card to a friend and sign your kid's name on the inside." So. Oh. My daughter has a little admirer at the age of six. Oh. And as a father. Can you imagine how you, oh my goodness. <laughs> on Valentine's Day, because Valentine's Day was a Monday this year. Mm -hmm. I'm walking my daughter in the schoolyard. Oh. And there was a young, a, a five-year-old with his dad standing there. His dad was videotaping and he gave my daughter three balloons <gasps> and a teddy bear. Oh. And it, uh, I'm going to add more comedy. It just wasn't any kind of teddy bear. It was a baby shark teddy bear. Oh, okay. So baby shark is top of the line. And when you're that age, that's, wow. that's, high. that's like that's going, to, that's going out to dinner for a steak dinner and a movie. Wow. In, in ballet. Oh, so wow. the, 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 sh the baby shark said you're jawsome, almost like jaws as a reference to jaws. <laughs> had a, one balloon had an avocado on there and it said you're all I've ava wanted wow. and the other 
was just saying uh, happy Valentine's Day. And then the the teddy bear said bestie on it. So now the mother told me that he was looking to get her something, but I just thought a general card. I would (laughs) think he was going all out and trying to court my daughter at age five. Five. She just turned six in a few weeks ago on March 8th. So she was five. So as a father, I'm like, when was my first crush? And (laughs) the father, I'm like, oh my God, I don't believe this. And and I just thought I had a little bit more time before the boys would would start. But they're starting a lot earlier than we had been. (laughs) I might have had my first crush maybe, would I remember? I would say eight. Wow. When I was maybe second or third grade. I mean, other I had other friends when I told them the story, they were like, oh, you started late then. I had mine at six. I started so, really late. I won't even say, oh my God, a but, six. Oh, that is so sweet. Six and five. Oh so, my goodness. You know, I mean, I was happy that, you know, <laughs> it was what it was. But at the mm-hmm. same time, um, you know, it's like, oh boy, she's still innocent. She's still into the, the kids she's yeah. not thinking about boys she's she wants toys that's all she wants yeah toys so, not boys <laughs> yeah toys not boys i like that i'm yeah. using um she's into toys not boys Aww. yeah yeah but you know so i'm like wow is this what you know other girl dads are going through you know because i'm a girl right. dad yes. so you know oh wow it, it's it's only just beginning so that's only yeah that's a beautiful story though but I but it is it is um, I think that's the thing isn't it it's so difficult for for men and their daughters and the you know as you say this is all lovely and innocent but I suppose it's kind of got you thinking about oh my god a few years later um oh yeah you've got to prepare, <laughs> prepare I saw my life flash before my eyes <laughs> when I saw that stuff and again, every emotion of, of a fictitious sitcom African American yeah, came to the I mean, yeah, Fred Sanford heart attack. Oh no, this isn't happening now. <laughs> Elizabeth, I'm coming to join you with Valentine's Day stuff. I mean, all that type of stuff, you know, was taking mm-hmm. over me at one point. And so much to where I I was obviously had to take the stuff home because I wasn't gonna leave it with her in school. But yeah. I don't, and the kid's dad was there. And I don't know if I even said, truth be told, I don't even know if I said thank you that day. You I was, too, in you were too shocked. Yeah. You I was just shocked. like, oh boy. All right. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to take this stuff home. And then, you know, they were like, did you Figure tell it all out, thank yeah. you? I was like, I was like, <laughs> I can't even remember if I said thank you. And I did say it the uh, next day. She did as well. Yeah. But oh. that shock weighed so heavily on me in that moment i can imagine i mean heart skipping a beat just dry dry throat couldn't get a word out (laughs) trying to say something air was coming out you know steam coming out my ears every emotion just kind of came over in that moment and it was funny i i I laugh at it but at the same time it's like it's only just beginning yeah you waking up to yeah and you know that's the thing isn't it being being a parent and a modern day parent and like you said going back to your own time and then you're thinking well it's you know this is too soon this is too early but you know I think as well children are so wise aren't they just the things they say these days and you know they're on I'm sure you're you know what's your children like with all the gadgets and are they sort of 
oh, better than you and your gag- wife. But are you finding that you're going to have to talk to them? They are gadget girls all the way. <laughs> they they have no problem navigating so the yeah. or the phone. They like looking at pictures. They like taking pictures. So, mm-hmm. you know, they they love that. They love. They're definitely gadget girls. So that that department is is fine. It's um, fine. Yeah. Tightening down with the um, uh, schoolwork and and learning. They're pretty good with with their, their knowledge base is pretty good with the basic stuff that they should be knowing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Letters, colors, numbers, shapes. My oh, daughter's that- reading. My oldest is reading. She has. She's good with her sight words and things of that nature. Wonderful. Wonderful. I just want to ask you one more question uh, based on what you were saying earlier on. Spirituality, how important is it? You know, with all that we talked about, mental health, emotional health and everything, how important is it to have that higher power? Like you mentioned, whatever the person believes in. Is it, do you think, do you think you can really go around in the 21st century today as it is and, you know, have nothing that you look to or turn to or, you know, to help you get through the day? No. <laughs> That's the easy answer. No. You have to be, you have to believe and you have to be mm-hmm. something because for me, it's God. I'll just be frank. Yeah, and me too. Yeah. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. So everything is happening. Everything is his blessing and is happening because of him. And I'm just thankful. Mm-hmm. So that's the best way to kind of say it. Um, but I don't think you can get by without it. Um, for you to believe that there isn't, because there are folks that that don't believe in a higher power. Yeah. Uh, and so, and, and believe that it's all them. Mm-hmm. Not, it's not. And I, I'm not a debater or an arguer. So no, no, yeah, people yeah. trying to come off like that. I'm like, okay, if that's, if you think the sky is pink, it's, it's <laughs> yes, pink right. for you. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I, I tend to agree with that. I do feel it'd be very difficult in this time to just believe that, you know, there's nothing and it's just dependent on you. Yeah. I always feel, you know, you kind of pray and meditate like it all depends on you and you let go and let God mm-hmm. um but yeah but wow anything else you want to share with us is there anything is there are there any quotes or is there anything that your parents brought you up you know maybe you know like they might be a saying or something that has always that's been instilled in you that has carried you through any difficult time uh, I would say a, a, quite a few. Um, in terms of a spiritual thing, I would say your gift will make room for you. Love that. Um, and for those that are pursuing a career in entertainment in the music industry, I would say that you owe the, the industry everything and it owes you nothing. That's something that my <laughs> aunt always said. Okay, and, wow. And also um, to her point, and it's proof in their career, um, her manager basically taught her that if you can entertain an audience, you can work for the rest of your life. And a hit record is just icing on the cake to create more work. Mm-hmm. So learning to, and, and just master your craft. <laughs> so again, I love performing. I love the stage. And obviously they do because they're about to celebrate. The ladies are about to celebrate 60 years next year. Wow, no way. Oh my goodness. She's, isn't, that, isn't that amazing to be? Oh, wow. I mean, yeah. she, she started in the group when she was 15 years old. 
Um, and so she's on some of the very first recordings. They were signed to a small, their first label that they, that they were signed to was called Swan Records. And it was actually the first uh, label that the Beatles signed to when they came to America. And it was owned by Dick Clark. And so she's on all of those first recordings. And then she took about 10 years off. Um, and, us, you know, there was a time where she came back in 1976. And then mm-hmm. she's on all the the hits like uh, My Simple Heart and Woman in Love, mm-hmm. and Wondering, Giving Up, Giving In, I all the Ariel yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, she did The Heaven I Need in, in the mm-hmm. 80s. Um, and wow. she's still there. So that's yeah. amazing, isn't it? Yes. That's amazing. Yeah. And, and I suspect, you know, you want, you're following in her footsteps with that. You're, this is going to, this is your life. This is what you're going to be doing forever. And um, already, you know, we can see where you are and where you're going to be. And so what that, that leads me to ask you, where do you see yourself in the next five years? Or, yeah. Good question. Um, I guess the honest question is prayerfully to be successful to 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 maintain a, a good livelihood and maintain my family and mm-hmm. to be mentally and physically sane <laughs> because <laughs> go back on everything yeah, we talked about it has to be a goal these days you're so right yeah it has to be a goal <laughs> again we can think one thing but you know god always has another plan mm-hmm. so i try to not walk with um expectation i guess yeah. I mean, you, you pray for what you want and hope you get it. But mm-hmm. if it comes, you're thankful and grateful. Um, but again, we're at a time where curveballs are just thrown at you tremendously. So yeah. that's why I'm I'm just at a point where I don't put things past people or, or you know, just try not to overstep. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I put yeah. the work in to make things happen, um, thankfully, um, you know, with 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 all that I can. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you can't control everything. So, again, I guess in five years, I'm praying that I'm still here, praying that my kids are good, the music mm-hmm. is good, that I'm, I'm working. I'll perfectly get that number one hit somewhere in the world. Yeah. Um, you know, but I'm again, I'm, I'm at a point where I'm happy doing what I love to do and, and happy to share my creativity with the world. That's been the biggest that's been the biggest um thing I've been thankful for over the past couple of years is, is releasing the music and it being well received on your side of the pond, especially. And uh, yeah. as well. 